My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're... Paramedics? Unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics. Unscripted. Welcome into Paramedics Unscripted. My name is Jason. I'm here with my co-host, Bobby. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Yo, bro. <laughs> What's going on, man? Welcome into episode number 12. That's one to the two. Uh, let's get into it today. I know you wanted to talk about some stuff that you've recently experienced, so let's get right into it, man. How you doing, man? Good, man. How about yourself? Good, man. How was your weekend? It was all right. Nothing wrong with it. You know what I mean? Pretty boring, but, you know, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> How's the family? They're doing good. They're doing good. How about yourself? Good, man. Good. Knock on wood. Yeah, right, right. Nothing wrong with that. What do you guys got uh, planned for the holidays, bro? Uh, we are still figuring that out right now. We just had my parents up for Thanksgiving, so we're deciding kind of what we're going to do for Christmas as far as where we're going to go. I think they're coming up here again, I think is what we're doing, but that's not uh, set in stone yet. Where are you located? Alabama. I'm just messing with yeah, you, bro. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's one thing. I don't, think, uh, I don't think I ever told people where I am. Yeah, I think um, I think you're all incognito. That's right. No. Oh no. Uh, I live in uh, DC suburbs. You know, right around Northern Virginia area, right outside of DC. That's yeah. where uh, I've lived for probably most of my life, at least until you know I moved here when I was uh, ten, eleven, because I moved here in 1984. So yeah, I was eleven years old. Yeah, I grew up in that same area and then moved here in uh, 2015. So, so we're very familiar. We're both very familiar with that area, obviously. I'll tell you what, it's a great area, but just like, oh, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, especially around the uh, DC Beltway, you know, 495, whether it's the inner loop or the outer loop. I mean, the only time we actually had a break from it was, you know, when everything was in lockdown during COVID. I mean, there was, like, no rush hour traffic at all. And it was awesome. I mean, the situation wasn't awesome. Right. But the no traffic, hell yeah. Yeah, it's, that's one of the reasons. That's one of the things I do not miss about, you know, living there, like, like now that I live here. Because here we don't have any. We have, I mean, just, you know, not considering compared to D.C., we have no traffic. So anytime yeah, we have was, traffic here, I'm like, this is a joke. People, calm down. <laughs> now, what do you have, like, uh you know, like a little bit of backups at the stoplights. People think it's it's freaking crazy or something. Well, I mean, we have like where I live, we have uh, we have mountains here and stuff like that. So sometimes if there's like a wreck, um, there's where I live, there's there's basically um, two different ways you can get into town, and there's two different mountain areas you cross over. And if there's ever a wreck on the mountains or something where the, you know that you have to wait for fire rescue to clean it up or something like that, obviously that can hinder everything. Um, and and then it'll back up forever because there's only that one way in if you're going that way, you know. So. That can, that can that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen sometimes. You're like, well, fuck this. <laughs> now, what's the uh, what's the uh, fire EMS uh, situation like in in uh, where you are in Alabama? Here it's um, here it's kind of like uh, like Richmond, like Richmond, Virginia, where you're familiar with yeah. that, where it's like they have a, a paid um, you know county fire department, and then the EMS right. is privatized. 
Okay. So, yeah, so they don't have like they have no. I don't know. I don't even know if the firefighters. I don't believe they have any medics on their engines, but I'm not positive on that. Um, but so I it's have, it's like it's like Richmond ambulance. Yeah, yeah, it's like raw. Yeah, yeah. Where they they run around and do all that stuff. And you know. now some of the ambulances here are staged at firehouses, but they are not. <laughs> the people that run them are not county personnel. Right. Okay. And and the pay, and the pays a lot less. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons when I got here, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. I uh, like that's we we talked about that in the in the for, I think it was our first episode or something maybe our second episode we talked about that where when I moved here the pay was like half um, compared to what I was making in Northern Virginia and I was like yeah I'm not I'm not missing out on my daughter's stuff as she gets older you know because she was getting to that age where it's like important to be there for her, you know as she right. starts as she starts kind of knowing more what's going on and seeing stuff you know and um, yeah it just wasn't worth it anymore I'm like I'm not doing that <laughs> and it's funny too because because now I've had like. Like we've had our AC worked on and different, different things you get worked on around your house, you know, as your house, you know, you have to, everybody knows if you have a house, you're always fixing something in your house. And, um, a couple of different times I've had technicians come out. Like it was, I think it was the garage door and the AC guy. Um, they came out and I was talking to them and they were like, Oh, you moved here to, you know, doing, you're shooting the shit with them for a while. And I was like, yeah, I used to be a, a paramedic firefighter and DC area and all this stuff. And, uh, and then, and then he was like, Oh yeah. He's like, I got a buddy that does that. I was like, Oh yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he, he does that. And he's got two other jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, that's sad. He's, and I was telling him about like North Virginia, this, you know, they make bank in Northern Virginia doing it. He's like, Oh, they don't make that here. He's like, you have to like subsidize your, your life with like another job almost, or maybe even another two jobs, you know? And I was like, yeah, it's kind of sad, you know, but well, it, I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. And the only, I think we've talked about this before. One of the things that actually kind of pisses me off in this business is the uh, aspect of third party billing. Um Yeah. Or basically, even though your tax-paying dollars are paying for fire and EMS service, um, certain counties—I'm not going to name names—have uh, you know started the trend of what we call third-party billing, where, like I said, even though your taxes are paying for the service, whether it's fire, EMS, police, whatever, you know, a lot of counties in the nation have found a way to, you know, increase the revenue stream and. Uh, you know, try to get money off you again by charging your insurance company or charging you directly, which is why it's called third party billing. Yep. You know, when you've already paid for that service, because if you weren't paying your taxes, those jobs wouldn't be available. Well, it's also, it's, it's, it's a money grab, like you said, because uh, most people don't know this, but you're, cause they don't, you know, read all the, the, the uh, policy and stuff like that. But when you have a health insurance, your policy covers coverage for ambulance rides. Um, but that's private ambulance rides. Right, right, right. But that's how they like that's that's inner facility, like from hospital to hospital. That's not rescue squad. Right, and that but that's where they try to that's where they try to dive into that and get that money because it, it was for a while. Obviously, I mean, we we both grew up. Um, like I started my career in in private ambulance service where it's strictly a billing. Like you know, it's a paid it's pay for service basically. That's that's the whole thing of it. You know, it's not like nine one one where nine one one you call nine one. We have to come out by law. We have to take you to the hospital. If even if we don't think it's necessary, we still have to take you to the hospital because that's how the laws work. At least where we work, that's how it was. Um, but private ambulance is totally different. Private ambulance, you're, you're and and like like you said, like when we when we do regular nine one one, you have to go to the closest appropriate medical facility for whatever the call is. Uh, private ambulance, you you want to pay me to drive you to New Jersey from Virginia? Okay. You know, like you're going to be billed per mile and you're going to have like out of town rate and all whatever they're, they're going to bill you for it. 
you know? Right. So it's totally, it, totally different system. Not, you know, not good or bad or indifferent. It's just a different system. But what you're talking about, the third party billing is where they try to tap into that insurance money that's available for calls and they bill them through that. And like you said, you're also paying taxes before that to pay for that service. So, but now we did. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That's where it makes you, that's where it makes you wonder. It's like, how is this even legal to double dip like that? Well, we did. Now mm-hmm. that's what I was going to say in our County where I worked, we did what was called soft billing. So, uh, we would bill your, you know, of course you're, we're going to come to your house. We're going to run nine one call. I don't give a fuck about the billing when I was there. I know for a while they were trying to maybe get it to where we had to get there, like insurance information and stuff. And I'm like, I'm never asking anybody for insurance information. That's not, that's not your job. Yeah. Private ambulance. That's different. Cause that's a different yeah. kind of format. But for nine one, I don't give a fuck. If, I don't care if you have insurance, I could care less. Um, and so I stood against that and, and eventually it kind of went away. Cause there was legal issues with that kind of stuff, obviously. Um, with the county trying to force that more because they have a whole department of people like where I worked, we had a whole department of staff that their job was after we run the, we run the calls, we turn in reports, they print out those reports, I guess, or print out a ledger of those reports. And then they go in and they try to collect the money with the insurance companies. And, you know, they try to figure that out, but that's like, that's not my job. My job is not to, you know, waste time getting your like, so your, uh, your uh, policy numbers are two, four, you know, like, I don't care, you know, instead of like giving you nitro when you're having chest pain, like I could care less. So, um, but they do soft billing where I was from, where, um, they bill you, eventually they're going to bill you for the trip. And, but if you, unless you made more than a hundred thousand uh, dollars, if you made under a hundred thousand dollars, then all you had to do is say, uh, like a hardship thing. You had a little form you fill out that says you make under a hundred thousand dollars a year and you never had to pay for it. So it was called soft billing. So they were just going, going after the people that made that money. If, you know, if that makes but sense. they're banking on the fact that people are going to be afraid to pay it. Right. Well, and that's true. And, that, and, and that, that's, that's what I have a problem with. No, and you're, I'm, not, it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to out any counties. I'm not going to name names, but it, it's, it's something that I've always had a problem with because there were certain counties out there in a, you know, in another state that would, you know, same situation where your tax paying dollars are paying for that service. Just like, you know, they are for police, but every time a cop comes to your house, the cops aren't sending you a bill, you know? And, um, so what they would do was if they didn't get your insurance information, they would, th- that, that particular county or city would bill you directly for services. Yeah. So for a portion trying to get money out of you. And um, some counties would had to, and this was, this was probably 17, 15, 17 years ago when I was like kind of just still young that they were, you know, it was still a young new thing that they were doing. They would seek it out twice and after the second time and you didn't respond or pay they would write it off right and and, but they're they were banking on the fact that people would freak out and be like oh my gosh i don't want this to go negative on my credit you know when at that particular time it wouldn't because if you didn't respond after you know two two times they would try to reach out to you they they would write it off now i can't speak for all counties that was just this particular one and like you know, four states from here. No, but it was uh, it, it's it, it's to me that's just shady because it's like that's why you're. I mean, especially in some of these counties and cities where the you know your local taxes are so freaking high, and then they're going to try to excrete more money out of you for a service you're already freaking paying for. Yeah, I, well, I was very good about telling because I had did have definitely some patients that had you know gone to the hospital before and they would sometimes they would bring it up, you know, about the money thing. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get another bill for this. Aren't I? That kind of thing. And then I, I would always tell them if they even hinted about finances, 
or if they asked if they were going to get billed or anything like that, I would always tell them like, we do soft billing in this County. Here's how it works. Here's how you get out of it. Um, do not pay the bill. I would tell them that all the time. Do not pay the bill. Like call, there's a number, here's the number to the, the main office, call them. They'll give you the, I don't know their direct line to the person, people that are in charge of that part of it, but they'll, they'll be able to you know patch you through to them and then talk to them about it. You know, cause they, they're not going to, like, like I said, it's soft billing. They don't, they don't then go to like when I worked at private ambulance, if you didn't pay the bill, of course now private ambulance also had a billing department, but if, but if you didn't pay the bill through a private ambulance, I mean, they're going to send you to collections. They're going to send people to your front door. They're going to, they're going to go all like all that kind of hardcore stuff that collection agencies go through. Um, but soft billing, they don't do but that. that's different because that's how they're making their money. Right. And it, it's, it's, just, it's not a service. It's not a service that's already been paid for. Yeah. And that was the and difference. That's too. the difference. Well, yeah, that was the difference because like when you, when you did it, when you needed a private ambulance, like kind of, we, we joked about this on another call. I mean, another podcast where we did the like, but that hospital has better jello. Uh, check out that episode. If you want to, if you want to listen to it, because it's pretty funny, but where people want to go to a hospital of this, whatever hospital they want to go to because they like the wallpaper or whatever better. And, and, it, and they don't understand that like, we can't just take you to wherever fuck you want to go. We have to take you to the closest appropriate facility. And then if you want to then, you know, leave hospital a that I took you to, to go to hospital B, um, you can do that, but that's where you get a private ambulance and call them and they have to do the transfer of care and do that. The hospital set all that up so they can do it that way. But also they can just call the doctors and they can, you know, have stuff faxed over or whatever. And like, or not faxed down, probably not anymore, but you know, digitally sent over and get all the records they need to do stuff, you know? And then if the doctor then wants them, Hey, bring them over to hospital B, then they'll set up the transport and they'll move them over to hospital B. That's how it works. You know? And that's what we had to tell people all the time when they were like, well, I really want to go to this hospital. And I'm like, well, you can't cause we're not taking you there. You know, <laughs> like we're not doing, unless there's some weird reason you have to go there. That is a reason that I pick, not, not something that you would say as a customer, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to pick something. We're not going for your little dumb reasons. of like, my doctor doesn't have privileges there. Like, okay, well they'll figure that out at the back end. First, we have to get you triaged, you know, right. get you to a facility. They can triage you. They can take care of any life threatening stuff. And then they'll figure out where the, where you need to go. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Like for, for example, like this was a uh, uh, day before yesterday. You know, my parents live about about 10 miles down, and, you know, not too far because it's just like a straight shot, straight shot down the parkway. And, um, like, we both literally live, you know, not too far from each other at all. Sound, 10 miles sounds like a far distance, but it's actually not the way it's spread out. And uh, my dad calls me. You know, I was off. He calls me. He's like, hey, are you at home? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He goes, uh, well, um, I fell took a spill and then your mother got startled and fell and now i can't get her off the floor you know keep in mind my mother she had just had a total knee replacement like twice she had two joints she had to have the first one in less than two and a half weeks she had to have the first one replaced because it was you know she had a problem with her femur with it so she's just getting back to walking normally but she still has to walk with a cane and whatnot so and then you know my dad you know, my dad is, you know, working on 80 years old, but, you know, he looks just like Eric Clapton. He looks a lot younger than he actually is. Yeah. And um, he uh, he was, for the time being, in the downstairs, they had a, like, had kind of like a medical bed for her, you know, set up in one of the living rooms. And he was um, trying to, he had disassembled it, and he had put it in a different part of the house, and he was he was dragging the mattress upstairs. So he ended up, 
falling on his knee and, and hurting his knee. And then when my mom heard him fall, she got startled and fell. And then because, you know, he couldn't get her back up off the ground. So he's like, Hey, can you, are you, if you're home, can you, can you, can you come help me do this? So I'm like, absolutely. I'll be right there. So we get right there. And luckily, you know, neither of them are hurt. That's good. You know, just, just in, uh, but you know, so I stayed there for a little bit and then, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, overnight the next morning, I called there to see how they were doing. And my dad said, well, we had another episode last night. I'm like, why didn't you call me? I told you to call me as well. It was, three o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, so we, we called nine one one and, um, <laughs> you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, my dad, you know, he knows how long I've been doing this. So he knows a lot of the tricks of, you know, he's telling the nine one one dispatcher, like, can you tell them just to use the lights, not to use the, the sirens when they get into the neighborhood. So we don't wake the neighbors up. And, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, no problem. So they did, you know, they just flash the lights with no noise coming up to the house. Now they're way nicer than I am. Yeah. And so it was, uh, you know, they got her off the ground and whatnot, and everything was fine again. They, basically, she just tried to get up too fast early in the morning and just kind of lost her balance. Yeah. Was, you know, that's what happened. But, of course, when my dad and I were talking, he's like, so am I going to get a – should I expect a bill from this? I'm like, you know something, Dad? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I would uh, – because of the county you live in, I wouldn't be surprised – but, you know, keep an eye out. But um, I said, did they have you sign anything, you know, or did they have you sign a release since, you know, when they came here, did you sign their tablet? Or and he, he goes, no, I didn't sign anything. And he goes, I'm like, oh, okay. Then they were, they were cool enough to where they didn't, they didn't even probably fill out a report because if they didn't get a signature from you, you know, for, you know, basically when, then, when it's activated, even if you don't want to go to the hospital or whatnot, they still have to write a report and you still have to sign, you know, a release you know, on their report or attached to their report. And he, I, he said, well, no, I didn't sign anything. And I'm like, all right, then they're probably not, probably not going to fill out a report, which means you're probably not going to get a bill, you know, but I don't know how your County is actually working it now. So, um, but, uh, well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, um, cause we had, we ran those where I worked all, all the time. And, um, yeah. if it came in t- technically by law, in Virginia, if it comes in as nine one one, they have to respond lights and sirens. That's that's Virginia law, um, or at least it was when I was there. Uh, I definitely never. If someone if someone requested, I turn off the lights or the sirens. Well, you know they we called it our dispatchers called it a silent run. And my my favorite thing when they when they when the dispatcher be like um da 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 you know medic so and so here's what you're going for and the caller's requesting a silent run and I would open up the window to the ambulance like the <laughs> the tech side and have my my driver just like. Whoop, whoop, and and hold the hold the microphone out there and just go okay like that and it's like because <laughs> my thing is if you're waking me up everybody in your neighborhood's getting up you know what I mean like I'm coming loud and proud every time I come through so that's what my old that's what my old chief used to say is like if I'm up everybody's yeah up. like like well because here, here's my little thing that I that I learned over my 20 years of experience like, and I've had people like and then you probably had this too I've had people come out to the ambulance. You know, they called on one for like, like I, I specifically remember one when I first started, I was a volunteer, this is when I was a volunteer, it was a long time ago, one like first year in EMS. And I remember like a 911 volunteer. And I remember like hearing like the, the call went out, difficulty breathing. That's what the call was for. And they requested a silent run. And of course the person I was with, I was a newbie, so I had no authority over anything, but the person I was with was like, absolutely not. Like we're going, we're going balls to the walls like we normally do. And then we got there and the, the husband came out of the house. Like he was pissed. He came out of the house and he's like, 
I told you not to do the lights and sorry. He was like screaming. It was like daytime, you know, it's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. And he was screaming about it. And we all had to tell him like, all right, first of all, if you need to calm the fuck down. And then second of all, it's Virginia law. Like we don't have any, you don't get to tell us what to do. And the light, he's like, well, turn them off now that you're at the house. I'm like, no, we're on the road. You know, the ambulances are parked on the road. So we're, they're going to, lights are going to stay on. You know, the, the sirens obviously shut off when you're pulling in there. But uh, and he was like all mad. And then, and that's where I learned, like, if they come out of the house and they're b- bitching about that stuff. Because even I even asked him, I was like, do you care about your wife being having trouble breathing or you want to keep arguing with us? You know, because it was just an asinine thing to see someone do that. But he backed down real quick. And then obviously when I, and I've noticed through my career, when someone bitches about that stuff or they request a silent run or something like that, it's always a bullshit call. It's never a real call. Because the people that are really sick or really hurt or really ill or really injured or whatever, they don't, they don't think about that kind of stuff. You know, so that, that was my experience, but I was going to ask you if you, um, if you, for the County that your parents live in, if you went ahead and got them the not emergency number and talked to them because they could probably could have just called the not emergency number and got a lift assist called in. I don't know. Basically that's basically, uh, but I mean that way, because, because I was a dispatcher for a year and a half too, nine one dispatcher in the County I worked in later on in fire rescue. And it's, uh, I mean, you're tying up a nine one one, operator you're tying a 911 lineup you know phone line so i'm not saying i'm not saying they're bad people for well, people call 911 all the time for stupid stuff but um some of it's just prop, like like poor education on our part but yeah that's why you give them the non-emergency number that way they can call because i used we used to have people in our county that would we'd have lift assists all the time like we talked about this on other podcasts where we'd go sometimes two or three times a night to the same house sometimes and um and, and you know and it would dispatch dispatch would say this is for a lift assist well when they call it in as a lift assist for, for, and dispatch us like that, then we don't go lights and sirens. Then we just go like a regular car um, because it's not an emergency. Uh, but if they, if they call 911 and then go through the 911 system, then by law, technically you're supposed to do that. So that's, that's how we got into it there. But that's why I was curious because then you're, if that's the situation, well, they, then you're, they, they probably wouldn't, definitely wouldn't charge, I don't think, at that point. Well, if they weren't asked to sign anything, which means they probably didn't fill out a report or they probably just wrote it up as a public service. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, and, what, that's uh, what we did. Like if we had a lift assist call, we had to write a report up for everything we did. But if we right. did a lift assist call, it was like the, nor, you know, the normal paperwork, we get the name and all the stuff and address. Obviously we know that cause we're at the house, but we get all that normal information, meds, allergies, all that stuff. Cause it also saved it in the system. So that if we ever went there again, we already have that. We could pull up like prior calls at that house and be like, Oh, is this for Mary Smith? And you pull up Mary Smith and then boom, and you could import it all. So you already had all the meds already listed and everything. Of course, you, right. have to, you have to verify that they're still current, obviously go through that stuff. But um, yeah, we wouldn't have them sign anything for a lift assist. We just mark it as public service lift assist, you know, and then just clear it what? like that, you know, that way. That, and I, they don't, I don't believe they got, I, I'm not, I didn't work for the billing department, but I don't believe anybody got billed for that kind of stuff. Because I'm like you, I had a neighbor once when I, when I lived in the county that I worked in, I had a neighbor once that came over at like, I got a bang, on, I was sleeping. I had a bang on my door at like 10 o'clock at night. And it was my neighbor from across the street. This old, old couple lived across the street. And, uh, and then he, it was the guy, the husband. They were like in their 80s or something. And he came to my door and he was like, he's like hey. He's like, I'm really, I was like, hey, man, are you all right? Because it was weird. Like, why is an old guy at my house? And I knew who he was, obviously. I'm like, why is he at my house at 10 tonight? And he, I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm fine. He's like, uh, my wife uh, fell down. And I was like, oh, my God, is she okay? And he's like, yeah, I was wondering if you could help me up. And I was like, yeah, we can call 911 if you want. He's like, yeah, I, know, I knew you work for the fire department. So that's what I wanted to check. And I was like. Well, well, let me go over and let's come on. I'll go over with you. So I went over there and I, I was able to just lift her up myself. You know, way she, 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 just, okay? she just, yeah, yeah, she was fine. She just fell like yeah. kind of off the couch sort of thing, but he couldn't get her. He was, you know, he's 80 years old. She, they're both kind of frail. You know, he couldn't, he just couldn't lift her up. You know, the muscle to lift her up. 
And, um, but she was fine. I checked her out, made sure she was fine or whatever. And then got her back up and he was thankful. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I felt so bad coming over. I was like, no, dude, I'm your neighbor, man. You can come over whenever you want. I'll bang on my door at three in the morning if you need to. But I said, also, also such a good neighbor. Yeah. But I, but I told him, I said, also, here's the number. Here's the non-emergency number. I said, you you call this non-emergency. Anytime, anytime something, if she hurt, if she falls and she's hurt, 911, don't even think about it. Just call 911. If, if you're not sure. Or you need me, you want me to come over, come get me. But I also work, you know, 24, so I'm not here a lot of the time. So, but, and or something like that or whatever, you don't want to come get me at three in the morning. Then you just call this not emergency number and they'll put your address in the system and they'll pull the closest unit and they'll go out and do a lift assist. It might just be the right. fire truck. It might be the ambulance, whatever, but they'll, they'll get it done real quick. And they don't mind none of even, even the fire guys who normally don't love the EMS calls all the time. They, none of them even mind doing it because they're so quick. You're literally out there, lift them up, put them in bed. All right. You good. Yep. All right. So yeah. You know what I mean? And they're out the door. So interesting though. Very yeah. Interesting. Very it, interesting. You know, and it, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's being a good neighbor, man. Well, I know. And I know, and like you were talking about with the billing stuff, like I know in our County, uh, where I worked the last, the last year I was there, we made, we made like $2 million in recovered fees for ambulance fees. Now was that just your station? No, was no, that, that was county the county, wide? the county, countywide. Yeah. So that was, we had, a. I want to say we had, 10 medic units, something like that, six to 10, somewhere in there, um, covering the County and, uh, of paid personnel. We had volunteer supplement too, as well, but paid personnel was like six or 10 medic units. And then we had engines that were ALS engines and stuff too. But the, 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 uh, money they got from transports every year was like $2 million. And, and it, and it was funny cause I was always, you know, cause obviously there's always that joke at the firehouse of the fire guys, sometimes making fun of the EMS guys, the EMS guys, um, make fun of the fire guys for the certain kind of calls we have to run sometimes like the stupid calls or whatever. But then I was telling them, I was talking to them one day. I was like, I was like, Hey, I was like, you can't give me shit no more. And they're like, why? I was like, see that brand new fire truck you got out there. And they're like, yeah. I was like, I paid for that. I paid for that. Technically you did. Yeah. I was like, your, your little tax fucking money didn't pay for that. I pay for that. Cause uh, you know, fire trucks, a lot of people don't know that fire trucks are really expensive. I mean, well, and that's, that, that, that's, I mean, they're, they're, they're like half a million dollars or more. And then you get a ladder truck. You're talking about a thousand or over I mean, a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars or more. I'm sorry, a million or more. Excuse me. So you're talking like half a million and then a million and then ambulances are like, and that's unstocked. Yeah, that's unstocked. And if ambulances, if you're getting like big, like monster medics, you're talking about a hundred and 150 a piece, you know, you get the little mini mods. You're talking about maybe 90 and that's all that, like you said, unstocked, unlettered, unlight barred, unradioed. They have to get all that stuff put on them. But yeah, they're, they're expensive. So that's what I was telling them. I was like, yeah, I see that new squad you got right there. All that new equipment. Yeah, I did that for you. You're welcome. You know what I mean? Well, you bring up, we you bring we up just give another, each other shit, you know what I mean? In, in fun. You bring, up, you bring up another valid point, which is, you know, you make that extra revenue for the county or whatever city you're working at. And does that revenue you're making, does a majority of it go somewhere else in the county? Or is it going back to the fire department? In our county, from what I was told, it went back into our department because we had to buy new apparatus, new equipment, you know, because obviously anything that says any, any gear you can think of, like shoes, pants, any, anything that says EMS or fire on it, like as far as like how it's like advertised is way too expensive. <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's kind of like medical equipment. If it, you know, if it has medical attached to the name, it's going to, you know, the price is going to be, you know, 200% higher. Well, it's like, okay. It's like in our County, this is, this is one of the cool things we had in our County. In our County, we had, we got these like, like uh, roadside, like VDOT, which was the Virginia department of transportation. They have those cool, like reflective jackets they wear because they're standing on the side of the interstate, you know, all the time, like helping people with flat tires or whatever they're doing. So we got like jackets like that. 
and they were they had an inner lining fleece thing that you could zip out, you know, and then they had the shell part on the outside, so you could either wear it together or you could, if in the summertime you could just put it on or whatever, you know, or rain slicker basically because it was waterproof, right? So that jacket, like if you were to buy it in a store, you know, go to Kohl's or something like that, they would have that kind of a jacket because it wasn't like fireproof or anything like that. It just had like reflective stuff on it and so like that. it might be like two hundred bucks, right? It was a nice jacket, two hundred bucks, but because it was an EMS jacket, I think it was five hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> And we didn't pay for it. Obviously the county paid for it for us, but, but that's the kind of stuff like fire and people don't understand like how much like a set of turnout gear costs and stuff like that for the firefighters, like all that stuff costs money. So yeah, that, that money they said got spent on us. It didn't like go to the school board or anything like that. Not, not knocking the school system, but you know, I don't believe it. That's not what I was told. So you could spend, I mean, $2 million sounds like a ton of money, but you, you know, you could easily, you buy, you replace 10 ambulances. You're already over a million right there. So, right. You know, you buy buy a ladder truck, and there's one. You buy one ladder truck, it's like one one million, one point two, or something like that. They're really expensive. So. Well, well, another good thing too, and that they've been doing this for, you know, a number of years now, especially with you know ambulances or medic units, is uh, they're, you know, the technology is is has come a long way as far as helping you save your back. Yeah, you know, that's true as, too. You know, you know, such as, you know, hydraulic cots or, you know, battery powered, you know, stretchers or, you know, the, <clears throat> the sled pulls, Yep. you know, it, you know, so we're not actually having to completely lift the patient in the truck anymore. It's actually, you know, you're bringing them up to the lip and, uh, you're mainly lifting a little bit and the legs come up by themselves, kind of like, you know, you know, your, your landing gear on a, on a plane, you know, just kind of comes up. And, um, you know, and most trucks now have the, uh, the pull to where it actually, instead of you pushing the person in, it'll pull it for you. Yeah. They had, assist. That's what I was going to say. We had in our County, we, we finally got those, uh, the strikers cots that were the battery powered ones. Like you said, where you have the button up, down button. Right. Um, and they could hold like, I want to say six, 700 pounds or something like that. Um, yeah. it, it literally just, it was, it was like, if I had that when I started my career, I wouldn't have had to bag back now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's uh, that's 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 another topic I wanted to talk about because that's a it's an important thing because you know if you're in this this line of work long enough and you don't protect your back, you're going to be struggling. Yeah. Later on down the road, and yeah. uh, you protect your back and your neck. Yep. And um, and a lot of times, you know how people are going to hurt their backs are pulling people out of cars. You know, especially after cutting some cutting the roof off the car and then pulling them out the top you know, or whatnot, you know, or you're just, you just tweak it, even though you think you're, you know, you're keeping your back straight, you know, just tweaking it that wrong way, just that one time, you know, can make all the difference in the world. Well, not, even, not even just that, what you said too, but also think we've talked about this on other calls too. Um, other, I keep saying other calls, other podcasts, but also the, the, what I call the, the lame, like customer service crap we do where like someone has, you know, finger pain, but for some reason, because we're public service people and you, and we had like where I worked, we had some idiot lieutenants and some of them would like, I mean, I got written up for it one year where I was like, I remember we got a call for like a, a garden style, three-story apartment, garden style apartment. And it was for headache. That was what the call went out for. Engine got there first. Cause it was their first due. We're coming from a due away. So we get there and we pull up and they're like, the engine comes down, you know, we mark up on the scene. The engine guy's like, yeah, bring up the stair chair. And I was like, what? I was like, for a fucking headache? No. You know? And then, and then like my partner started getting the stair chair out and I was like, put that thing back. We're not bringing up the stair chair. You know what I mean? 
And then we got up and then my lieutenant came downstairs because he was coming down to help us. And he saw that like we weren't doing what he told, what, what he told us to do. And he was like, why aren't you bringing the stair chair? I was like, you don't need a stair chair. And he's like, he's like, he's like, they need a stair chair. I was like, for a headache? Give me a fucking break. And then I was like, and then he got mad. And then I was like, fine, get the stair chair, you know? And so we went and got the stair chair. There's nothing wrong with the lady. She easily could have walked. And, and, you know, just, I mean, we have the cot like at the base of the stairs or something, but there's no re like in my, in my philosophy, there's no reason for something like now there are times when you need to carry people by far times when you need to carry people when they can walk just fine. They, they don't need to be having us throw out our backs 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road by doing this repeatedly over and over again on every call, you know, to try to make it look that much PR stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know. That was one of my pet peeves. Cause I would always tell people, I'm like, I'm not carrying you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. like if I need to carry, if you have a broken leg or something like that, okay, there's times where they're going to have to do it for sure. But if it's just like, well, my tummy hurts. I'm like, okay. Well, my back hurts. You know what I mean? But I still come to work every day and I walk around and my partner doesn't carry me anywhere. You know, <laughs> right. like, like I have sciatica. My partner doesn't carry me around. He doesn't care. Like we still do the same amount of work. So you, you can walk to the ambulance or walk to the cot. Well, we're not a-holes. Like we'll bring the cot to the, to the door or to the, wherever we can get it to as close as we can to you, but you might have to walk some, you know? Well, as I was telling you before, you know, I've, I've always, you know, tried, tried myself on, uh, you know, saving my back and doing everything the right way and making sure, you know, and, and I work out all the freaking time. I mean, I have, I put things up, I pick things up. I put them down. Yeah. I put things up. I put them down. And, uh, I, that's exactly right. But, uh, you know, so, but when I was working out the other day and, you know, doing everything safe, you know, good form, everything, I just was off center just a little bit. And I was, I happened to be working back that day, you know, at the gym and just wrenched my lower back right where the, you know, the bottom of the lumbar region. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it seems to be a reoccurrence in that same area, even though I've never injured my back. But it just seems like it's almost like there's some some sort of degeneration over time just from uh, just from doing certain things, not hurting my back, but just that little bit of compression little by little over the years. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the you amount know? of you've been doing it for like we said, you've been doing it for 27 years. I did it for 20. Um, I mean, you're and you're still in the game to this day. So, yeah, the amount of stuff that you don't even realize you're doing to your body you'll realize once you, once you get out of it, you know what I mean? Like once you get out of it, you're not doing it every day. Like that's probably what's actually saving you right now a little bit is because you're keeping those muscles working. But eventually once those like the little teeny back muscles, like you're saying, the little fine ones that you don't, you know, you don't normally after retirement, you're not going to go around, lift people around on cots all day. So you're not using those ones. And that's when you start noticing more problems as you get older is what I, what I've experienced. Right. And this happened uh, actually a week ago yesterday. And, um, it's, uh, it just seems like it's stayed stagnant the whole time. It's like, damn, is this shit going to get better? Cause usually it doesn't take this long. And, um, so I felt a little bit better today. And of course, you know, today is supposed to do legs. So, you know, I knew I couldn't do heavy squats cause I didn't want to push it. Yeah. So I just, I was just like basically going to do a warm up with squats where I basically just had like just a little more than the bar, you know, behind my neck, behind my neck on my shoulders. And just after the fifth rep, wrench that shit again yeah you you need to like you're, you remind me of my wife a little bit in that sense because like she gets very like like very committed to her workout stuff um which is cool nothing absolutely nothing wrong with it um i don't have that commitment obviously but uh 
but like you, like when you have, and I can tell you because I had sciatica, or I, I guess technically you always have sciatica, but I had like massive problems with it when I was in the fire department and then it finally got fixed. But um, you have to like actually take days off. Like, and I'm not saying like, you know, obviously if you can't not go to work, I mean, you're, you might be on your break and that's great. But, but you have to actually like not work out that day or just do some light cardio or something instead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause you have to let that stuff heal. Cause the back, you know that, I mean, that's like one of the, that's EMS. That's your whole, all the drugs you carry and all those stuff don't mind shit. They just want your back there. You know? <laughs> gotta lift those people up. You know, you gotta carry them around, you know? Right. So you gotta be careful with that stuff, man. I'm telling you, it'll come bite you in the ass. I went, I went to my doctor's appointment, like, I don't know, sometime last year, I guess it was. And I hurt my back. So I went, I got checked out and she wanted to do, my doctor wanted to do an x-ray. So I'm like, yeah, knock yourself out. So she did an x-ray and she came back and she's like, yeah, you know, you have compression in your lumbar region. And I'm like, yeah, I played ice hockey for 25 years and I was a firefighter paramedic for 20 years. Like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm shocked. Like I was goalie too. Like I'm sure my spine's all fucked up, you know? And she's like, oh, so that's not new. I was like, no, that's not the problem. My pain's up here. There's nothing to do with down there, you know? So. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so I bet if you went to the doctor and they check stuff out, they'd be like, they'd be like, "Oh, hey, Bobby, did you know all this stuff is going on?" You'd be like, "Oh, now I do." Well, I was supposed to, uh, you know, and that was the thing when when I was telling you about how my uh, both my parents took a spill the other day, and uh, my dad, you know, was like, "Can you come help me get your mother off the ground?" I'm like, "Yeah," and then I'm like, "I'm like, shit, I hope I can do this because, like, you know, I was like still hurting bad that day." Yeah, and um, so I just had to be extra careful, and um, you know, just even if I'm, even though, even when you think you're using your legs for a majority of the weight, you're always gonna just shift your, you know, your back just a little bit, and you know that'll that's what'll that's all it takes. Well, it's, people, don't, a lot of people, unless you do like that kind of work, or there's probably some other works that do this kind of stuff. But when you're wearing, when you're lifting a patient, like you're you're lifting, you know dead weight like it's not and it's weird weight it's not like when you go to the gym and you lift weights it's like it's on the bar or whatever it's on the pulley system or whatever like it's all it's all right there and it's not gonna it's gonna do what you expect it to do whereas a person they're like they're just you know flopping weight basically so yeah like you said if you're not lifting exactly right or whatever you can or they move or something they try to help while you're lifting or whatever that can throw anything off right you know right. it sucks it sucks like I, I mean i told you like i had my stuff and it was I remember I was at, I was at work and I got locked up one day at work on my back where I couldn't move out of the L shape, you know, from sitting down. I was in that like seated position. I couldn't move out of it. So it sucks. Well, see, that's, that's the thing with me. It's like, I'm, it, I'm when I sit down, like if I sit down for a length of time, especially if I'm driving, yeah, just, just that, you know, just staying isolated for that little bit of time, you know, especially, uh, you know, even with lumbar support, it, you know, it's like, I'm worse than if I'm just moving around constantly. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I'm just, I'm just constantly uh, moving around. Um, but that's also where it sucked last week is cause like right after it happened, it's like right after it happened, I had to go on shift the next day. I'm like, fuck. I'm like what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause, cause right after it happened, I knew I'm like, I know that feeling and it's happened before. And even though it doesn't hurt that bad right now, it's going to hurt like hell in the morning. Yep. And um, that's exactly what happened. I could barely put my boots on. And, um, I'm like, you know, just and at that point, all you can do is, you know, hit the naproxen or the Motrin or the Tylenol, whichever one you like taking and just try to keep that inflammation down. Dude. And, I, um, yeah. I had, um, when I had my sciatica, like knew I had sciatica and stuff like that. 
And I remember specifically remember one morning when I was, this is is fucking hilarious. So I get up in the morning, getting ready for work for a 24 hour shift and I'm brushing my teeth, right? Okay. Nothing exciting. I'm just brushing my teeth. And I'm, you know, you're kind of twisting a little bit when you're brushing your teeth. And I did the, you know, doing it. And all of a sudden I felt this little twing in my back, just a teeny twing, just a teeny little twing in my back. And I was like, yep, this is going to be a shitty day like that. And then no, no fucking joke. Like by noon that day, like we get, we got to, we had to work. I think it was seven. We all tightened up. Oh, it, by noon I had, I called my chief and I, well, I called my doctor's office and I told them, you know, what's going on They're like, Okay. Yeah. You need to come in and see us. Um, I, I have a, let's say, I don't know, it's 12 o'clock. So they said like, I have a 1230. If you can come in at 1230, that's the only time we have available because we're booked for the day. Um, and I was like, so I called my boss. Like, Look, I need to go to the doctor. Like I'm in pain. Like I, I need to go home. Like, you know, my sadic is acting up. He's like, okay. And so they let me leave at 12, you know, and someone was able to come in really quick and cover for me. And, um, and I went to the doctor's office and, and I, but it's funny. Cause they were like, Oh, how did you know it happened? I was like, Oh, I was brushing my teeth. Like it's the totally like, unmanliest story. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you can just tell like, once you have that, like that little, little, that little, that little tweak. Man. Yep. That's all it took. And then I was, I was shot for the, you know, and then luckily I had a four day after that. So I had plenty of time to go home then get, get some meds from the doctor, go home and just lay on my back and like stretch it out and stuff like that. You know, and not not try to stay seated too much. And I think that that's where I, you know, I started noticing that I have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, just compression, you know, my my lumbar region, especially because, you know, just just over the years, like just grinding over the years, just, you know, you're not doing that much, but you know, or you don't think you are, but you really are. And uh, it just starts to build over time. Well, and when you get young, when you're young in your career too, I know for me, like I would lift people up all the time, like by myself, you know what I mean? Like you have somebody on the floor, you lift them up, you give them the bear hug, pull, lift up, put them on the couch, whatever you're doing it all yourself. Cause you're just like, you know, you're in your twenties and you're like, yeah, you know, kind of gung ho or whatever. And then as you get older, you're like, that was really dumb. And then as you get older, you then you see the stuff, like I said, where like you have an idiot Lieutenant who, who like is like, well, I mean, we got a customer service and I'm like, they have a headache. This, this is the problem. We don't want to, in my opinion, this is just Jason speaking. In my opinion, we do not need to educate the public to know that they can, they can call us and we can wait, let, like take care of them hand over foot and like, like they're a queen of a country or something, you know what I mean? Or the president or something like that, where we have to do everything for them. Like they're still an adult. They can still walk, talk, you know, like all that other stuff. Right. And so that was always my point of view with it, you know, like I said, so. But some of the people just are like, you know, and usually like in the situations I dealt with, it usually was the fire guys who weren't doing the lifting that would say that kind of stuff, you know? Right. The, the officer on the engine who's not really doing anything helping wise on those kind of scenes is the one who's like, well, I think we should do this, you know? So. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I always, I've had, I've had neck problems, you know, since the, the early nineties. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that I had lower back problems, you know, you know, and it wasn't anything serious that I thought. I just didn't notice anything until like, uh, if we were like immobilizing somebody out in the street, you know, like, you know, just packaging them up, you know, from a C-spine injury and I'm sitting there out leaning over, you know, for a certain amount of time. And then I feel like it's like, it's almost like my, feels like my lower backs starting to give out. And, um, and then, you know, even, or even just leaning over them in the back of the truck, you know, in an awkward position trying to start an IV on them or something like that. Yeah. That's what I heard. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it sucks. Yeah. They'll probably, they'll, you go to the doctor, they'll probably send you like some physical therapy for a little while. Or something. Well, no, I mean, I, uh, I, I pretty much said screw it. It's like, I'm not going, you know, I'm going straight to, I'm, I'm going straight to a, a spinal 
spinal institute. Well, there you go. Flex. Yeah, that'll work. That's the same. Yeah. You know, so, so that's, that's someone that'll give you more than flexoral. Well, yeah, I just I want to know what's going on. I, yeah. I, I want to, you know, I want to work up, you know, because if I can take care of this problem, you know, without surgery and like you, you know, you know, with, especially with the new stem cell therapy and whatnot, you know, I, I'll go that route because you know the last thing I want to do is get a fusion in my neck and then like a possible fusion in my lower back. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of but, people, uh, a lot of people have problems with that down the road after they get it. Yeah, and plus I don't want to. I don't want to have to deal with the freaking recovery stuff. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, that that be that's that's. I just can't. I don't know. I, I hate to say it, and I want to jinx myself. I just, I just don't do well with sitting still like that. You know. No, I think I think we've not to make fun of you, but I think we kind of address that with like you're having back pain now, currently, and you still right. wanna, and you still like oh, I got to work out and I got to pick things up, put them down. You know. Like, like you're like so yeah. like you're like so into it, which is cool. But it's like it's like yeah, you might need to take like as you get older, man. You know, you, I know it seems like you're being a pussy, but you need to like probably take a break every once in a while. You know, or or do like like I said, do like a cardio day or something stupid like that, where you can just do it and not strain that stuff. Dude, I was basically doing a cardio day as light as I was going. I yeah, but you but you even said like you're yeah, but... not supposed to be doing legs, but you then you did legs without like the weights and stuff. I mean, you just, when you're not supposed to be doing legs, you just don't do legs, man. Well, I wasn't supposed to do squats or whatever squats, whatever you said. Yeah, I can't remember, but, but yeah, uh, like but just don't least... do that. Like it'll be okay. Like take one day off and just do something else, like you said instead. And then Dude, uh, I, I took a week off. Yeah, you know that was enough. My wife, my, no, my wife, my wife does that all the time. Like she'll she'll hurt something and then and then she works out and runs and she's like a, one of the like half marathon runners and she does that all the time and and I, she's like, yeah, my foot really hurts. I'm like, oh, okay, well then I probably went run on it tomorrow, you know. You know, if it, I'm not talking about like it hurts a little bit, like so that's different. But like when she's like really in pain, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, da da, and then she'll still go run on it. You know, she's a trooper. She's like that. She she gets that. She you know she gets that drive to get it done, and she's gonna get it done, which is good on her because that's an awesome characteristic to have. But but you pay for it later, and you and then usually you pay double what you would have paid before. You know, that, that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what that's why I don't want you to have to go through that because. Cause I had that like with my sciatica, I, they sent me to like a, a, a sport doctor and stuff like that to try to look at it. And, and he looked at it and he's like, you don't need physical therapy. You're not, you're not that bad yet. Um, he's like, I can give you some flexural. And I was like, I have three bottles of flexural. <laughs> like, can I get a narcotic, <laughs> something good, you know, to help do it? Cause that's the only thing that fixed my sciatica. I think we talked about this on another episode, but the only thing that fixed my sciatica was a narcotic for the pain. And then Valium, they gave me a Valium and uh, there's the best, best fucking $150 copay I ever spent at the, at the doctor was at that ER that morning at work on Thanksgiving uh, was when I went there and the doctor gave me a Dilaudid and a Valium. And within 30 minutes, I was fine. But for a year and a half and going to like 27 doctor's appointments, I could never get it fixed. You know, it was always like, here's a flex for like, these don't, these don't do anything for me anymore. You know, try this, try some Motrin, try it. I'm like, okay. You know, until finally that doctor fixed it. And that was the best money I ever spent. And then my new doctor after that was cool. Like he was like, okay. He's like, what worked for you last time? And he would like, you know, work, he would work his plan off that. You know what I mean? And he knew, and he knew I wasn't, both my doctors knew I wasn't a drug seeker or anything like that. You know, cause that was like the first time I ever had a narcotic in my life. And I was like, I'll take it here in the hospital. I'll be, I'll take it right here in front of you. You want, I don't need even a prescription. I just need one pill, you know? Right. And then there, he was cool about it. So that's when you need to find the doctors that actually do their, their in my opinion, do their jobs correctly. Right. That's where, unless you have to get a referral from your primary care physician, you know, just go straight to the source and find a, 
you know, uh, either orthopedic or, you know, a spine surgeon or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that's, I mean, that, yeah, the doctor I had where I lived in Northern Virginia was, he used to be like the head of the ER doctor for years and years. He was just a good guy. And he just was totally like, he even told me, he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't do this bullshit. He's like, what? He, Cause his nurse was in there was trying to give me like some, like I, I told her I needed a Valium and she's like, well, we can maybe get you a low dose or something like that. And he walked in and found out what's going on and listened to me talk to him for a while. And he goes, okay, no, we're giving him, you know, whatever this high dose Valium. And then he's like, and he's like, he's like, what worked for pain? And I was like, Dilaudid. He's like, well, I can't, I'm not going to give you Dilaudid, but I can give you like hydrocodone or something. I'm like, that's fine. I just want something to take the edge off, man. I was like, this sucks. And he's like, yeah, I know you're not a drug seeker. I know where you work. <laughs> like, you're not a drug seeker. I said, no, we get tested all the time. I'm not a drug seeker, you know? And then he, and, the, and I just kind of did that, that death stare to that dumb nurse there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, when it comes to any of the, uh, you know, painkillers, like any, any, especially any opiates, like, you know, morphine you know, demo, whatever. I just can't, I can't take that stuff, man. I just, not even if I, you know, take Fenergan or whatnot with that, I just can't stand the way that shit makes me feel. Have you ever, have you ever done, have you ever had Dilaudid? Uh, no. Oh, I, that's the only one I've ever had besides hydrocodone and stuff. Hydrocodone makes me feel a little like off a little bit, but not like it's, it's fine. It doesn't, it sort of helps a little bit, but like when I had the Dilaudid, like literally I remember like they, I, it was in the ER, they gave it to me in the ER. And, uh, I am. And then I remember the, uh, they kept coming in and I was like, how long is this going to take? Cause I was like, like I said, I was in an L shape. I was sitting up in the ambulance and eventually after we dropped our patient off, cause we were running a call to the hospital and after we dropped the patient off, they brought the cot back in the ambulance and I was able to roll off the bench seat onto the cot. Cause they put the cot, the cot patient wasn't on the cot anymore, obviously. And I, I rolled onto the thing in an L shape and they wheeled me into the ER and I couldn't, I could not like extend my back. Like I was locked. And, uh, and that's when they gave me the stuff. And then I remember like t- they kept checking it after they did the meds and stuff. And they would check on me every like five minutes or something, you know, like, how you doing? I was like, it still sucks. It still fucking hurts. You know what I mean? And like, how long is this stuff supposed to take? They're like, usually about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe. I was like, Oh God. Okay. And I was, you know, just sucking it up, you know, toughing it out. And then all of a sudden, like they came in at like 25 minutes and then they're like, how you doing? I was like, whoa. <laughs> And then I like jumped out of the bed. I was fucking ready to go home. And I'm like, like, you know, I could dance at that point or whatever. Like I was fine. You know, that stuff that, that, but I fixed it. That like unlocked everything that needed to be unlocked in there. And I never had a problem for like a year and a half since then. Well, you know, what helps out quite a bit is, uh, um, you know, how you can get those reversible tables where you can lock your ankles in and turn upside down. Yeah. And the, it the, basically the just grab gravity just kind of just pulls your spine. Mm-hmm. It just kind of just, you just releases that pressure that, those help out quite a bit too. Yeah, that would probably um, work in for that for sciatica too because that's yeah. that's like because that was like I used to have to do like um, they taught me like a whole bunch of different stretches you can do to like lengthen your back. Obviously, not on a inverted table thing like that, but it was just like stuff you could do on the floor, and I would do that, and that would help too. Um, right. But it was just yeah, it was unreal, man. I couldn't believe like I really it was like it blew my mind like that's and it was funny because that was the I think we talked about this on another episode, but. That day when I had the Dilaudid, that day, that's the day when I was like, oh, this is what the drug seekers are talking about. I get it now. You know? <laughs> They're like, this stuff's phenomenal, you know? So, uh, this stuff really, really works. Because, like, I've taken, like I said, hydrocodone and all that kind of Tylenol 3 and all that, whatever. All that stuff sort of takes the edge off, but you still feel the pain or whatever, you know, if you have to take that stuff for, for reasons that the doctor prescribed. It, it, it just makes you not care. You know, yeah, Dilaudid, not, you don't care and you have no idea about it. Like you don't like, that's how it was with me. Like I was, like I said, I, I went back to the, I remember going back. My chief was there because the chief stays with you in the hospital to make sure you're okay or whatever. 
and he was he was sitting there with me in the room, and he was like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna um I'm gonna uh you know it looks like you're gonna be checking out here, and I was like, yeah, and he's like, I'll get a lieutenant to drive you home, and I was like, why does the lieutenant have to drive me home? I can drive home. I'm an adult. He's like, you're high as a kite, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> like you don't have a fucking clue what's going on. It was great. It was awesome. You know, and it felt it felt good for like two or three hours, man. I was like, I went home and I laid in bed, and then and then after a while, I started like it started kind of coming back, and I got some prescription not not Dilaudid, but some prescription stuff to you know help take the edge off a little bit, and then I took like one or two more pills of that, and I was done, and then my back was like, I was like, hell yeah, dude, everything's cool, you know. And I even went and thanked that doctor later, you know, because we saw him all the time because he's one of our doctors we go to, and I was like telling him, I was like, dude, that was the best hundred fifty dollars I ever spent. I said, I've been to sports doctors. I've been to my doctor like 10 times trying to get this fixed. And everybody keeps giving me flexorals, you know, these little Flintstones. And they help. They, they do. They take they, they barely. Help. But they're just, I mean, flexorals are just like, they're muscle relaxers. Yeah, but they're, I mean? but they're not yeah. great. Like you get a Valium. I, I mean, now my, even my doctor here, because I, when, I, when I moved here, of course, you have to tell everything and they, they go over all your stuff with you. And she was like, oh, you take Valium? And I was like, yeah. And I was, it's just a PRN, but I don't take it much, but I need it. She's like, okay. So she would prescribe it for me. Just for, and it was just for like if I have a twinge with my back, but I haven't had one of those now probably in about another year and a half, two years. So, knock on wood, you know. Right, and uh, for people listening out there, take care of your backs, especially if you're thinking about getting in this line of work or you're in this line of work. You know, make sure you, you know, especially if you want to stay in it for you know at least twenty years. Um, make sure you take care of your back. Yeah, talk to your department people about all those precautions. You yeah. know, don't try to push it too much as far as like, especially when it comes to carrying people or pulling people out of cars or pulling people, you know, out of trenches or, you know, or whatnot, especially, especially if you're like, uh, you know, part of the heavy rescue unit or truck or whatnot, you know, just watch yourselves. Well, and you also have, you, when you think about it, once you get into the business long enough, on any like good real calls and stuff, you have a ton of people on that scene. If it's a real, like a good wreck or something like that, or some sort of thing like that, you're going to have a lot of people there. So you, yeah, but you, you know, people, there's a lot of people that try to just try to Rambo it and just kind of, you know, I got this dude, you yeah. know, and it's just like, come on, man. It's like, I know you got this, but like preserve what you got. Yeah. And those are the people you see. I've too, been guilty that, of yeah, it. Yeah. I have too. Yeah. Like I said, in my twenties, I would do that. And my friends would do it sometimes too. And then the rest of the shift, they're like, back is all fucked up you know and i'm like yeah why did you do that there were six people there there were six there were seven firefighters on the two different trucks there standing around doing nothing because they'd done their work prior and they're going to do their work after we leave and stuff like that but they were done doing their stuff just ask them to help they'd be more than happy to help you out right you know let them help you out hey you don't need to like why carry where why carry someone on a backboard with two people if you can use six or four or not six maybe but like four one on each side and one on each end i mean do it I mean, yeah, if you have the people for it and they're just standing there not doing anything anyway, why not? They're willing to help out. Those guys want to help out too, you know? So, so yeah. That's, I think that's about enough about that back pain stuff. What, what else do you want to talk about? I know what you want to talk about. Why don't you start it off? What's that? I, I said, I know what you want to talk about next. Why don't you start it off? No, I think I'm good, brother. That was, uh, I just wanted to, uh, you know, ex- express the... Uh... You know, of, of maintaining, you know, a good back, good spine, especially in this line of work, because okay. you're yeah. going to need it. Yeah, and, and like we said, too, make sure your company, your departments, uh, if they don't already have them, uh, talk to the people who are the decision makers in the department. 
um, about getting those kind of EMS stuff that helps you with your back pain stuff, like helps like the battery operated stretchers. Um, the city, the city below our County had, uh, I don't know what they're called. Um, but they're the kind of systems where you have the person on the cot and then you just, you, you push the cot into barely into the ambulance. And then, and then the uh, ambulance does everything else. Like the ambulance slides them in, the ambulance pulls up the wheels. It all is on, it's like a track system type thing and it locks it in there for you and everything. So literally right. all you had to do is like push the patient to the back of the cot, I mean to, to the back of the unit. And then the unit did the rest. Like it was all some little system. And apparently those were, I want to say they said those were 60,000 a unit or something to put in. Right. Well, I might be, I might be off on that number. I don't remember. It was kind of expensive, but the city below us, they only had a few units. So not as big of a budget to them to, you know, versus us, which would have to do like, if you counted all our volunteer units too, you might be talking about like 20 ambulances, you know, doing right. that too. So, but yeah, those, there's right. things out there that people do that try to help you out with that kind of stuff though. And, and use them. You know what I mean? Like the old, like if you remember, like you're probably, I mean, you're older than me, but, but like by a little bit, but um, you remember in the old days, like the old shitty stair chairs. Oh yeah. You know, the old ones that were like the, the aluminum color. <laughs> pieces of shit yeah those things that pieces of junk i mean they were good for the time yeah yeah they were good for the time then they then they had the ones that eventually had like um at the feet where the feet would be of the patient they had little bars that could slide out so you could actually you know first of all not be eating someone's nasty toes while you're carrying them but also like helps you up your back out because you can you can extend the distance and put the weight in different places um and then eventually oh, a lot after, of them are still like them well yeah there's some like that but then there's now the new ones the striker ones they're the yellow yeah. ones that have like the the like Tonka truck, like wheels. And they have the ones that have the wheels yeah. that can walk downstairs and, you know, and all that other stuff. So there's a lot of, well, that's, that's like the only time like dealing with the stair chair like that, especially if we're in a, a townhouse that has like this tight ass staircase and you're bringing like someone from, of course they're always upstairs, Yeah, you know, bringing someone for ups from upstairs, you know, and that's the only time where it actually is easier where it's like, well, it's just, just let me get one in because it's like when you get like, you know, Four firefighters trying to come down carrying each end of that stair church on a small staircase like that, and then you're asking for a whole other set of problems. Well, I, you know, yeah, so I know. Why it's I, easier for me. It's like let me take one end, and whoever wants to take the other end is fine because then you know it's it's easier, you know, and then there's a, a lower risk of someone falling down the stairs. Well, I know, like we had, we had. I remember we had a um, not to do war stories or anything, but we had a CPR that we had, like you said, upstairs, third third story in a house, and um, you know, bigger patient, whatever. And we had to put them on the reef structure to get them outside because when people, a lot of people don't know this, but, uh, or, you know, citizen people don't know this, but when you do CPR, you want to have something hard behind the patient. Um, because like you, you, you don't, you don't, you're not really doing effective CPR on a mattress on a bed, for instance, because when you're pushing down on the chest cavity to, to, you know, do the, the, the CPR, it's giving on the other end. So you're not, how much are you really compressing? You know what I mean? So you either want to put a backboard behind them or they have like little CPR boards or like a reeve stretcher with the slat boards in it, which is basically a tarp with slat boards in it. Um, that kind of stuff will give you enough resistance to push against. So we had to take this patient down three stories of stairs, like you said, kind of like, like those L shaped staircases and do that to two stories down to the first floor to get out of the house. And we had to do it with, you know, four people or something. Cause you have to have someone on airway still, you still, you know what I mean? And you had the Lucas going and then you had all this other stuff. So yeah, it was a cluster. Cause you literally could get one hand in there to help carry. You couldn't carry with, like you said, there was no way you were going to do it with two, the, the size of the patient. It wasn't going to be two people, one on each he foot and head. And then one on the side doing the other stuff. It wasn't going to happen that way. So you had to have four people plus the one where five people going down the stairs, trying to like, you know, contort your body to get around the stairs. But that, those are the kind of ones. Yeah. Th those definitely fuck up your backs. Um, for sure. 
because you're tweaking and doing all that weird stuff like that. But those are the ones I don't care about. I don't, you know, that's part of like what you signed up for at that point. Like if I'm doing a CPR or something, I don't give a fuck about my back anymore. You know, it's just the ones where I'm talking about where it's like, well, I don't oh, know. That's yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But yeah, that's, that's legit. So, so don't get me wrong. I, I don't not mind doing stuff like that. It's just the ones that are like, well, my, my teeth hurt. I'm like, okay, well then you can walk just fine. You know? <laughs> so you can walk just fine. Yeah, because so you you know how it is. You have those freaking flyers. That some like we had a guy in our in our first do that um he had chronic back pain. That was one of his his histories, uh, which means he chronic means he's always gonna have that his whole life. And he called nine one one for for his back pain. And then and um it was late in my career, so I was kind of ornery at this point. And uh, he he got we got there and I was like okay and we went into the house I was like hey John or whatever his name was you know because we knew him by name because we went there all the time I was like hey what's going on he's like my back hurts and I'm like okay your back always hurts that's why it's called chronic back pain uh, do you want to go to the hospital yes okay why do you want to go to the hospital your doctor already gave you meds for this what what they're not going to do anything different in the hospital you know okay come on all right let's go outside then. And he was like, he's like, well, I can't walk. He's sitting on the couch in his family room, like right in the entryway there. He's like, I can't walk. And I was like, well, you, you can walk. It's four in the morning and you don't, you don't sleep on your couch. You have a bedroom back there because we've been to his house a hundred times. So I was like, and you walk from your bedroom to here. So now you can walk from here out to the cot, you know? <laughs> right. And he was like, he's like, well, I can't walk. I was like, okay, well, here's how we're going to, like I said, this is near my end of my career. I was like, well, here's how we're going to do this. I'm leaving in three minutes. So if you want to ride to the hospital, you come with me. We'll give you a ride to the hospital. If you don't want to ride to the hospital, then don't come outside and we'll do a patient refusal and we'll get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, like I'm not carrying you outside. And so finally he walked outside and then we had the cot like brought right up to the stoop of the, you know, because he had like one step out of his house or two steps maybe. And we had it like right there and lowered it. We had the automatic cot, so we lowered it. So it was perfect. So all he had to do was sit. He didn't even have to go down really, you know? And, and he was like, oh, thanks for being the cot. Thanks for being the cot up here. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm not an asshole. Okay. I'm not an asshole. I know you're in pain, but you have chronic back pain. There's nothing new today that happened because we did all that interviewing process. He didn't recently fall or anything. I said, so yeah, dude, we're not going to carry you around the neighborhood. Like, but yeah, I'm not an asshole, but you are going to have to put in some effort, you know? So, cause I don't need to blow my back out for something there where you, cause all you do is walk, I don't know, 10 feet and turn in the corner, go down two stairs. And we had the cot like leveled right there. And then I was like, yeah, we'll put, and we'll take care of the rest. Well, you know, and those are frequent flyers that are exactly like that, too. Yeah, and, so, and that's why I said, like, in my opinion, and this is just Jason speaking, but in my opinion, you had to, like, kind of, like, put up a stance there, and then they kind of knew what, not, what boundaries not to push any further. Because a lot of those patients, like, especially the frequent flyers like that, they'll try to take advantage of you, you guys um, all the time to, like, get you to do all the stuff for them just because they don't want to. And it's like, well, you have to do this, man, like. You know, this is, this is like, we're 911. First of all, this is not a 911 call. Like someone with back pain, like chronic back pain, like nothing new happened. You just woke up and your back hurts. Like that's not really what 911's for. I'm not saying we won't take you to the hospital. We'll be glad to take you to the hospital, but like, come on, this is not what it's for. We're missing out on like a CPR right now because your, your, your back hurts, you know? So. On that note, brother, go ahead and wrap this up. You want to wrap this up? All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, so we talked about that. We talked about third-party billing and uh, soft billing and stuff. So I think this is a pretty good show. So let's uh, wrap up number 12. And uh, without further ado, then, we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted. Unscripted.